Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Danger Room, the X-Men Comics Commentary Podcast. My name's Adam. And my name is Jeremy. We're here to discuss Havoc and X-Men, Meltdown number two. On sale December 13th of 1988 with a cover date of 1989, because can't be that specific. Um, this one's 350 and it's got 48 pages and it's titled Tender Loving Lies. Just a minor correction. We're, we're actually doing Havoc and Wolverine, not Havoc and X-Men. But, you know, details. Details are minute. Did I say Havoc and X-Men? Yeah. Wow. Well, maybe, <laughs> maybe in your world, like, Wolverine is the X-Men. I'm running on very little sleep. <laughs> I was up all night. So um, this will be fun. Well, I was up all night, too. So, oh, boy. Buckle up, everybody. Woo! Prepare for a real-life meltdown. <laughs> and some incomprehensible discussion. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, the cover is okay. It's cool. It's cool. I mean, I think it could be better, but... It's kind of like a collage painterly sort of thing. It's it's uh, it's very heavily painted. I like the Wolverine. Not terribly impressed with the Havoc face. There's a gun in the foreground. You've got your hammer and sickle, and then I think you've got some um, part part of the American flag at the top, maybe. And that's yeah. There's some that's definitely part of the American flag. Bullets laying around too. So, you know, it's a it's a stylish cover, um, but you know, not my favorite so far. Yeah, I feel like the layout, the composition, could be a little more interesting, but you know. I like I like all the aspects. I just kind of wish they were arranged differently. It's a solid number two issue cover. Indeed. <laughs> uh, Can't argue with that. And we we open this thing up, and we get, I think, a much nicer splash of Wolverine uh, back at the bar, beating up some more patrons, looking for the people that he was fighting with uh, just a couple of days earlier. With his cool Popeye arms. Yeah, his Popeye arms and his giant hair spikes. So there are no credits in this. The credits are on the cover, but it's Walter and Louise Simonson writing, uh, John J. Muth and Kent Williams doing art. I believe one of them does Havoc and the other does Wolverine, mm -hmm. uh, not the X-Men. And uh, lettering is by Bill Oakley, and that's all I know. Okay. Margaret Clark is an editor? I don't know who don't Margaret know who Clark that is. is. Maybe she's an editor on the Epic line. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe that's what it is. Who knows who the editor-in-chief of the Epic Line is at this time? Wolverine in this uh, two-page spread of the cantina, um, after the guy says, I do not know, senor, they were strangers here, he says, strike two. But I don't ever see him say strike one. And do we ever hear him say strike three? No, you're right. <laughs> so I don't know if this is like... Uh, well, I think it's, you know, this is supposed to be in the middle of something. We missed blah, 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 strike one. And I guess we're also going to miss blah, 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 strike three. Or I guess he doesn't he doesn't have a strike three because he tells him what he wants to know. Maybe issue one had the strike one and we just missed it. And issue th issue three will have strike three. <laughs> I, I don't think there is a strike three because at the end of the day, he tells him the fat man's cousin. He was with them and I know him well. He lives on the edge of town. And that's that's Wolverine. That's all the Wolverine needs to know. So there is no strike three. Maybe he's talking about his punches as being the strikes, and we didn't see strike one because that was before the issue started, and strike two is him actually punching the dude. 
I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, sorry, I'm lost in in the whole. Why did they put strike two in the middle of this page? It feels important for some reason. It's not. I think you're spending way too much time on it. I think it's just to tell you that we're in the middle of something. It's like the way that Star Wars starts out in the middle of something. Okay. And you're not like, oh, where's strike one? <laughs> How did they get here? Who are these people? Well, you are like that, but you don't care after a second. Yeah, it's true. On the next page, top panel, I feel like we have like a child's drawing. I mean, the house is painted nicely and, and that desert is painted nicely, but there's like some some cactuses and like a sketch of a jeep and i'm wondering like is this supposed to be a style or were the like eh, this panel's not really all that important i think it's a style i think it's it's sketchy like there's there's a there's a variety of styles throughout so far issues one and two of this thing and i think this is this is where artists get to do whatever they want sure sure i'm thinking it's just kind of Yes, it's not that important, and therefore it's kind of this little stylish. You, you see everything you need to know. So Wolverine has barged into this little cabin sketch, and there's a, uh, the, the dude's cousin that Wolverine was roughing up from the cantina is here. And this guy's like, I don't know who you are. And Wolverine's like, I'm looking for my friend. I'm pretty sure you know me. Take a close look. My friend was shot, kidnapped. I'm going to find him and you're going to help me. And so it's at this point I'm like, oh, okay, so we're going to get kind of like a reluctant road uh, adventure. No, sir. Wolverine and, <laughs> and this Mexican guy. And the Mexican guy is going to like throughout the issue, like kind of backstab him or give him false information. But at the end of the day, they'll kind of be reluctant friends. Wolverine won't put up with that crap. <laughs> no, none of that happens. I, I looked way too much into uh, <laughs> just these few little panels. He stabs him in the hand, and that's all she wrote. Pretty much, yeah. Um, dude goes for his gun. Wolverine stabs him in the hand. Um, I like this panel where Wolverine's claws are perspective towards us. I feel like it's a it's a style of his claws that we've never seen before. Yes, I would agree with that. Um at first glance, I mean, you definitely know it's Wolverine's fist and claws, but at first glance, I would argue that you don't know what's happening behind his fist. Like, if you were just to see that frame out of context, I don't know that you would be like, oh, that's Wolverine's head. Oh, I see it immediately. I oh, mean, okay. maybe maybe right out of context, but because it's in context and I know I'm looking at Wolverine, I, I, the ear just pulls it out for me. Where you're, where you're right is that the guy is standing with his arms spread super wide and there's like like a thing directly beneath his legs, which is just the arc of his legs. But it, because there's a chair behind Wolverine, mm -hmm. it looks like a bed. And that confused me. Yeah. It looks very surreal. But on the other hand, I mean, it, it is kind of cool. Like you very you never see this angle of – uh, Wolverine is basically outstretched. His one fist is aiming towards us, and his other fist, which is in the Mexican guy's hand, is aiming away from us. So you get like the full spread, but uh, looking at it at an angle that I don't think we've ever seen before. And it's that's it's what nice. I'm talking about. That's, that's cool. cool. I like it. Yeah, I'm 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 agreeing with you, Adam. And all and right. The, and the perspective isn't like like crazy. It's just it's it works very well. So it works because you can see that there's movement, and so the per perspective doesn't have to be perfect. Oh, okay. That's what I think. That could be. I've, we've definitely seen some perspective shots in the X-Men proper comics where you're like, nope, 
that doesn't yeah. work. <laughs> no, this, this, this works for me. Yep, I agree. Uh, this guy... This guy has a Russian coin for some reason. That's how we move the plot forward, because Wolverine needs... He knows Havoc's alive, um, and he's trying to find him, and nobody knows what he's talking about or who he's talking about. And this guy has been doing a deal with a really tall guy and paying him, and, and some of that money is with Russian coins, which I feel like is a, a little bit of a plot hole. Unless you want somebody to find you, why would you pay somebody with your native land's coin? Interesting, but whatever. Well, you know, it moves the plot forward, and it I'm does. sure that they could have they could have found another way to do it. Uh, Wolverine's hunting down the fat man from the first issue, the the Puda guy. Yep. And uh, and what he's learned is that that guy and this guy that he's attacking now, and the other guy that he just attacked in the bar, were paid to harass Havoc and Wolverine, and uh, and now he's finding out that they were paid by some tall Russian. I'm interested to learn how this stranger happened to pay you with a Russian coin. Also, why did you take it? Mm-hmm. You, you can't use this anywhere. Uh, oh, that's a good question. You can't even use this in the arcade. <laughs> it's worthless. Pretty much. So, meanwhile, we we transition over to a hospital where a doctor is working on Alex. And they give him the same story they pretty much gave Wolverine of... Oh, you were shot with a bubonic plague. We saved you. Your friend was shot with 15 of them where one would kill a normal man. He's dead. We have death certificates. There's nothing you can do about it. He's dead. <laughs> Havoc doesn't buy it. He's not dead. I like I like this, this first panel where you see Havoc's hand grasping the bed sheets. Yeah. And there's these like circles around him that are kind of like representing his powers. It's sort of neat. Yeah. Whoever is doing the... I would like to see a book, and I'm sure it exists, uh, that, that uh, whoever's doing the Havoc art has done. One of these two guys, John J. Muth, 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 or Kent Williams. Yeah, I'm sure, well, both of these guys have probably done full-on books for other properties, but I like this guy's art. It's very classic. Last issue we said he was looking like James Dean, but here he kind of looks like Fox Mulder. Kind or of. whatever whatever that actor's real name is. Yeah, uh, Michael, uh, David Duchovny. Regardless, both fairly handsome men. Oh, yeah, yeah, totally. Uh, and I don't know if this woman is a nurse or a doctor. It doesn't really matter, but she um, she's here to comfort him. He's, she's been taking care of him throughout this whole ordeal. She is Nurse McKenzie. Mm-hmm. She is the nurse that has taken care of the patient's in what we learn is an essentially an insane asylum or is it maybe just an asylum? It doesn't matter because we'll learn more about it later. Yeah. I was, you're going to have to help me through that part. Cause I was, I was pretty confused. We get a, um, a panel of her lips, which is reminiscent of the panel of lips in the last issue, which made me wonder if this is the same woman with the car. And maybe we find that out. I don't, I don't remember. We sure do. All right. Well, there's lips, and it's I don't remember, but it's very possible that this is the same woman or not. We'll get there when we get there. Okay. <laughs> I don't remember. I sure do. Good. Great. I'm, I'm so anxious to tell you, but I'm afraid I'm going to forget. <laughs> um. So yeah, she's she's taking care of him. Um. She she seems to be like. Well, she's working both sides, right? So she's comforting Havoc, but she keeps going to the doctors and being like, yep, there he is. And they know their code names, too. That's Havoc. 
Yeah, well, what we very quickly learn is that this is not a, an asylum with other patients. This is just a rundown, uh, abandoned place where they're just taking, they're, they're setting up a ruse for Havoc to believe that they're at some sort of hospital. But he's the only patient. We get some details, right? Like he can't register, his presence doesn't register on any of their video equipment or other equipment. Um, and they talk about it being some bizarre effect of his mutant psych physiology. Something else? That doesn't matter. It's something else. <laughs> yes. I'm letting you know, comic guys. It's something else. <laughs> uh, and uh, they have a plan uh, to... They're going to subliminally uh, use the television to implant messages in Havoc's mind because they're trying to... I don't know. Brainwash him. Brainwash him, yeah. Uh, remember, the sooner we turn him to our side, the sooner we can go home. So they need him for some reason. I wonder if it has anything to do with Chernobyl. It absolutely does. <laughs> oh, <laughs> neat. So uh, she continues on her way to a private area of the the area, wherever they are. I, what do we call this place? Like a rundown shack hovel? I, I really don't have a... I, I, what this book is missing, and I just realized it, uh, establishing shots. I think they're purposely avoiding establishing shots because you're supposed to kind of be in the mind of Havoc where you have very limited exposure and you're not really sure what's going on to a degree. Yeah, so I don't know where they are, but... Somebody calls it a converted ruin, so we'll call it a, we'll call it a ruin. She's dressed in... It's like a candy striper. Is that like a real word? Did I just make that up? I pulled <laughs> that out of my brain. Is that a thing? I think it's a thing, but she's just kind of in like a sexy nurse outfit. Right, which I believe is called the candy striper, but I don't know why. Why? I, I don't know, Adam. <laughs> anyway, her name is Quark. Yes, and and not Quark from Deep Space Nine. I was wondering if you were going to go there, because I wasn't. <laughs> well, that's the only other Quark that I can come up with. Uh, so what? which came first, Meltdown or Deep Space? Meltdown came first. So do you think <laughs> Deep Space Nine was like, I read this Meltdown comic. <laughs> we should name our Ferengi. Uh, actually, he Quark was in Deep, um, uh, TNG when when they first meet the Ferengi. I'm pretty well, sure. the, actor, the actor who played Quark was, but he wasn't Quark then. Oh, okay. Well, same diff. I'm I'm totally nerding you right now. That's right. You just out-nerded me. <laughs> yes. Armin Shimmerman was in the, the first time the, the Ferengi appear. He was one of the Ferengi. But the Ferengi were really different then. Yeah. What about what about his brother, cousin, whatever, Nog? Was he part of that crew or was he a construct of Deep Space Nine? Uh, Deep Space Nine introduced Rom, who is Quark's brother, and Nog, who is Oh, that's the kid's son. Gotcha. Yeah. So those are all new characters for Deep Space Nine. They never appeared before that. Do you remember that the Ferengi were uh, super disgusted that the uh, humans let their women wear clothing? Yeah, it was a whole thing in DS9 where like their the Ferengi women slowly got rights, oh, really? starting with Quark's mother. Interesting. I only remember that. I never. I mean, I didn't really watch Deep Space Nine that much, but I remember the introduction of the Ferengi, and they're like, "You let your women wear clothes." <laughs> I uh, I binged it at some point, and uh, it's good. It's very good. I've intended to. Uh, I think the first season is maybe a little bit of a slog, but I feel like later seasons probably gets into, then there's like the Dominion Wars happens, and it's more serialized than uh, Monster of the Week. It's probably a slog through the first two seasons. I don't think it really picks up until season three. Yeah, so I had started it, and then every season is like 24 episodes, which is like, ugh, jeez. 
But I think at the end, it's 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 dare I say better than TNG. Although TNG is of course classic, but yeah, I, I love TNG. But um, the first couple of seasons are really rough on TNG, and then the last couple oh my of God, yes, <laughs> the last couple of seasons of TNG are like we're TNG and we can do whatever we want to. <laughs> so good times, yeah, good times. I've never watched Voyager. Uh, well, I, I've always wanted to because I hear it gets gets really good, but. I just I just haven't committed the time to it. I think it suffers from the same problem of like the first couple of seasons are rough and then they they catch their stride finally. Probably. I started watching it and I have like zero connection to any of the characters and I find none of them compelling. So I'm like, I don't know that I can stick it out for two seasons. Yeah, maybe you should just skip to the third season. No, that's, a, that's not a bad idea. Might as well. I don't know. I'll, I, I mean, need... You can always go back once you get to know them and see how terrible they are in the first season. I love in TNG how everybody is. Uh, everybody kind of hates each other. Yeah. It makes me chuckle. Anyway. Yeah. So uh, Nurse McKenzie is sitting in front of a bunch of TVs or monitors, uh, and there's like a big like dude that I'm just realizing is a dude behind her. Yeah, um, it's a big it's a big face in all the TVs and so he is behind her and also in front of her. I believe that this is Dr. Neutron? No. No, this no, no. This is Meltdown. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He talks about Dr. Neutron though. He says Dr. Neutron has suggested that the measurement of minute variations blah 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 blah. Basically, here's a way that we can pay it like get havoc onto our computers. We'll measure the air around him, which is a pretty cool idea. Yeah. I like it. And then we turn the page and we get a full page spread, basically the same image, I think, as we see in the previous page of Meltdown. And uh, he looks like somebody. He looks like Cyber. He looks like Buzz Lightyear. (laughs) (laughs) I like that, too. He's got the cowl. It's not purple, but he's got a cowl and he's got a gigantic chin. Is that a signature in the bottom right corner or is it just scratches? Oh, I don't know. It could be either. Hmm. Interesting. It's a good portrait. I mean, hopefully this character does good things. Well, he is the titular character. He shares the title with Havoc and Wolverine. He sure does. So, uh, yeah, so they're going to yeah install the equipment. Havoc will sleep through it, blah, 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 blah. And they, we move to another part of the story. This is where I got confused. There's like a dude who's like, um, losing his mind. And this is where we talk about the asylum. And then there's another guy in these panels that's just kind of like hunched over and walking through. And based well, on... Meltdown. Oh, is it? Because based on the artwork, it's like, well, this could be Wolverine. No, Meltdown Meltdown is sort of a gorilla-ish figure. Like he he hunches over, he's walking through the... the uh, this is where we learn, I guess, that it's an asylum. Um, so wait, the guy at the top panel who says... Uh, why now? Now of all times, perhaps this is the result of the recent shakeup at Puttaburo. Is that meltdown? Where are you? I don't know. <laughs> I'm on page. Uh, I'm after the full page spread of. Uh, oh, Lightyear. there it is. Yes, that's meltdown. Oh, see that? That that's why I got confused because you get this uh, this portrait of uh, meltdown and he looks very calm and comprised and he's like, I am in control of the situation. I know exactly what's going to happen next in my plot. And then you go to this next page, and it's just like, <laughs> why now? He, he well, does... that's when he was talking to Quark. Now he's talking to 
some random person and it's something that's annoying him. Something about an inspector visiting. I don't know why there's an inspector visiting. I guess they must be in Russia. I was very lost. I I was not I didn't know that this was the same character. I was like, who is this guy? <laughs> no, it's the same character. Just okay. Quark has left and somebody else comes in. It's the same room with the television. He, I guess he lives in like a jail cell of sorts. Well, that's the other thing that confuses me is like he goes and gets the key and he unlocks the jail cell and he walks out of the jail cell. Yeah. Why does he keep himself in a jail cell? I think that's just his room. Remember in Walking Dead season two or three when they all slept in jail cells? Yeah. yeah. It's like that. Okay. Fair enough. And where else would you? You're in an asylum. I guess you have to find a bedroom. So, I don't know. No. Anyway, he he walks through to see uh, Dr. Neutron, and that's what he says. Neutron, Dr. Neutron, it is I. And that's where we learn, in fact, he is Comrade Meltdown. And we learn that Dr. Neutron is a little old man playing chess with himself. And uh, we learn a little bit about their plans and how they are going to attempt to use... Havoc's um, uh, powers, powers uh, as as similar to a Chernobyl-like situation. Oh, that's right. Um, because Chernobyl was a huge disaster. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's kind of coming back to me. Uh, a nearly incomprehensible series of human errors. The public here is not convinced that the nuclear facility of this kind is safe or wise because they're talking about some protests that are happening in Israel. Yes, which I assume is relevant to what is going on in 1989 or whatever this is. Yeah, I'm sure. This is probably very topical information. I bet you uh, – did, did you ever watch the show? No, that came out earlier. The Day After Tomorrow. Wasn't that a movie? Well, there was the... No, it was called The Day After. The Day After Tomorrow oh. was like an iceberg or like an um, Ice Age movie. But The Day After was a TV movie that was like, what would life be like if uh, we nuked each other? Oh, bad. Yeah. yeah. Well, and so like you see the the Russian nukes go off and the U.S. nukes go off and and then you know you you're dealing with all these people in their lives like one guy's driving to his wedding and uh, he, you know when the bomb goes off like his he's, he's stranded and one guy goes blind because he looked right at the the explosion and then of course you've got raiders and stuff that because you know it just basically descends into lawlessness it's super depressing <laughs> it sounds like it I mean I mean if that stuff ever happens we're all screwed <laughs> so anyways I think. But I think that that TV movie was like 84, 85 or something like that. But yeah, the 80s were all about like nukes. Yeah. So anyways, uh, but so how, what are they going to do with Havoc? They're going to use him to do whatever. Oh, so were they trying to like harness the power of Chernobyl to do something? And now they see that same power in Havoc? Exactly. They're, they say it somewhere and I'll see if I can find it. But they describe Havoc's powers as similar to... Uh, Chernobyl's kind of radiation energy and it's it's not yet but it's coming okay well anyways back at the hospital uh nurse McKenzie is continuing to nurse Havoc back to life and Havoc is putting his flirt on because I don't know because that's what he does look forget it forget me I can't get involved it wouldn't work <laughs> let's just say I have a history of unsuccessful relationships and again, while I like the the art of these people, Havoc's a very handsome-looking man, and Nurse McKenzie's a very good-looking woman. 
I don't feel like we've spent enough time developing anything for any of this to like mean anything, but they're really trying to cram like a, like a love story at us. Well, you know, it's one of those instant attraction type things, at least for Havoc, who's Havoc falls in love with every woman, apparently. Um, and this is another redhead. Sure. Uh, and I guess Polaris was a green head. <laughs> well, that's why it didn't work out so well. Anyway, she, she keeps saying, like, oh, your friend's dead. It's a good thing you didn't die. And he's like, why do you keep saying that? He's not dead. Bubonic plague wouldn't kill him. Yeah. And the TV's on in the background, and, and he's kind of losing his cool, and he's complaining about his head. And finally he says, shut up, and he just reactively uses his powers to, to blow up the TV. Why can't you just shut up? And, and then we learn that her name is Scarlett McKenzie, and he says, Scarlett, please... I don't mean to frighten you, but the TV hammering at me, I couldn't stand. And so she uh, she goes and talks to somebody about how he was able to get through the uh, the subliminal messaging. Somehow she knew he knew it was there, and he has all this training uh, in his mind and that sort of stuff. So they're going to have to use drugs now. He also goes and elaborates on why Wolverine couldn't be dead from the bubonic plague, saying that he heals. He's got a healing factor. And we also see a... Um, I am a mutant. I was born with the ability to convert solar energy to plasma. I can fire it from my fingertips. My friend, the one you say who was killed, has a similar power, only it zaps germs and heals wounds. It's called a healing factor. We do get to see a visualization of... of um, the air particles around Havoc so they can monitor him on the screen. Just kind of pretty cool. I like it. I also like to think that Scarlet is Scarlet from GI Joe and she's <laughs> on a, she's on a special mission here. Mm, unfortunately that doesn't work. I would love for that to be true, but events of this comic book will make that impossible. I'd also like, I, I think a print of none of this dialogue of Havoc reaching towards this woman who's crying, I think would make an excellent print. That's a good painting. Yeah. Like you, you, there aren't a lot of details in her face, but there's enough for you to know what's going on. There's enough for you to sit there and like ponder, like, what just happened? Why are they in this pose? I also like this print of his outline. I, I think that would be pretty neat. Yeah, yeah. So, it's just like a Havoc outline painting with her hand in the corner. Next page, we get a bigger version of that same picture, which is which is neat. As we see that uh, Dr. Neutron is monitoring all of this on his computers. He never should have been able to do that. He should have believed us about Wolverine. He should have never felt our subliminals. I hadn't realized he was so energy sensitive. Hmm. So now Wolverine is able to use his powers to determine or his uh, his um, tracking ability to determine everything. Yes. Well, he's still in Mexico and... He uh, he's still tracking down people. Yeah, and he 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 finds this guy who's in this awesome taco taqueria, which is basically a giant hat. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> it's pretty cool. I wish the whole comic had. I, I I would like to yeah again. I would like to see a whole comic by whoever this artist is in this world with the taco hats and other weird things. Doesn't necessarily have to have Wolverine and Havoc, but just some crazy surreal adventure. I would like that a lot. It'd be cool to see this like comic. I think like you said, like without all the dialogue and just see all the different, like I would, I would buy an art book of just this art without any of the dialogue. Yeah. Just to sit there. You can make up your own story. 
see if you can more or less piece it together. It's got to be like gigantic though. I want to be able to like look at all of these panels. Sure, sure. Every panel is a page? <laughs> well, I wouldn't maybe not go so that far, but it'd be one of those like double-sized things where it's like a big, it sits pretty tall on your bookshelf. Sure. That sort of thing. Nice big, uh, thick, glossy pages. Yeah. Totally. Anyways, um, yeah, Wolverine's uh, drinking some beer and interrogating the Taco Hat Taco Man. And the Taco Hat Taco Man immediately after Wolverine leaves called and says, you you said I, they call, he calls a number and says, you said I would be paid for information concerning anyone inquiring about the heliport. And then we get a snicked behind him and we know what's going on, but he sure doesn't. And we get, yeah, the claw is right behind his head uh, in the, a panel that I, is it the same painting three times? Just kind of shifted a little bit. Yep. Yeah. And he's giving some information about the Hotel Mariamba. Uh, he should go there earlier. Yes, senor. I am not paid to think. So he's he's giving him, whoever he's talking to, the deets. And that's right. when Wolverine yanks the phone away from him, slashing the phone cord. Right now I'm in a good mood, but don't press your luck. Don't call him back. Don't contact him again. Comprende. Give me another brew. Yeah, and this panel, I wonder, is this the same artist or is this the havoc artist because it looks a lot more um classic i think it's i mean i i honestly don't know from what i understand and this could be totally wrong that one artist does wolverine and the other does havoc if i'm wrong about that well then i'm misleading all of our viewers (laughs) listeners whatever they are (laughs) anyways back at the the hospital wherever havoc is yes the Bruin. They are uh, getting Havoc some exercise, and he's a little confused. He's like, well, I was tied up in this morning. Now why are you trying to exercise me? Well, I didn't want you. I didn't want to tell you till you were better. I was scared it might worry you. And she says that there's a man that has been asking questions about you, and uh, Havoc wants to know, is it Wolverine? And she says, no, I don't think so. This man is tall and mean, has an accent, a funny accent. They say he is a foreign operative, a spy. So they're basically giving Havoc this elaborate story to get him invested in the situation because they know they can't manipulate him with drugs or hypnotics or anything like that. So now they're just making up a fancy story, which is – that's a smart – that's how you get Havoc. Good old-fashioned lying. Yeah. This is Scarlet. That's how I know it's not Scarlet from G.I. Joe. This lady's bad. <laughs> yes. Uh, maybe it's just a momentary lapse of judgment on Scarlet's behavior. They have. This is this is before she joined GI Joe. Yeah, maybe, or after. Who knows? One of the two. <laughs> she's trying to, I guess, put together a world where it's like she's his only friend and she's the one that he can trust. And and she's like, so it's you and me together against the world, huh? And you know, she's also trying to make him think that they're possibly going to be lovers. So. So it's it's like you said earlier that, you know, it's it's pretty forced their relationship. But, yeah, I mean, it, it kind of is because she's forcing it. Yeah, I don't know if we covered it yet, but there was a, a portion of the issue where she's like, I took care of you and, and I feel like I know you better than anybody else. And I was like, well, hasn't he just been like unconscious the whole time you were taking care of him? How, how could you possibly know him? Well, you know, that's what you say to somebody to get them, you know. It's psychology. Sure, she's, sure. She she's she's working him. 
Sure. Anyways, yeah. So it's you and me together against the world, huh? Well, I've had more experienced partners in my life, Scarlet, but I've had seldom had one as beautiful. So they're being monitored by Dr. Neutron. And Havoc is uh, right. You know, despite her best efforts, Wolverine is alive and on her trail. So they know that they know that Wolverine is out there trying to find them. And they also know that Havoc is not going to give up his idea that Wolverine is still alive. Uh, and they they mentioned that their plan is to is that Meltdown wants Havoc in a designated at a designated react, reactor primed and ready to kill and that Quark's plan will give him a reason to go there and an enemy to destroy. And we see a picture of Wolverine's face. So I wonder if Wolverine's going to be that enemy. Probably. Yeah. So it, I I was under the impression that Meltdown worked for Dr. Neutron, but I guess I don't know who's working for who in this issue. I don't either, to be honest. I mean, I I guess they kind of are working together, and sometimes one is a boss and the other isn't. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. We'll find out more as it goes. Wolverine's in a in a hotel room. He's getting some sleep, uh, but there's a bunch of noises happening outside, and Wolverine wakes up. He senses it all. Well, he was he wasn't sleeping the whole time. He set these guys up. He told them this is where I'm going to be staying. Yeah, and that way they would ambush him. So he's just waiting for the ambush. And then we get like a bunch of, uh, as we see Wolverine's eyes kind of listening, we get a, a series of panels with sound effects, which um, I had no idea what was going on until a couple pages later. But essentially they blow up the hotel. Yeah, I mean, I think it is as easy as like a car pulls up, some guy runs up to the hotel room, puts down a bomb, runs away. Slams the door, gets in the car, drives away, and then the hotel room blows up. So I think that, that's what all those sound effects are supposed to represent. So the groom is the car? Yeah. Groom. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm getting. I mean, you see the car in the headlights right there. So I think, yeah, that's supposed to be the sound effect of the car starting up. I am not good at following sound effects. That's what I learned from this issue. Well, these are not great sound effects. <laughs> I feel like I get what they're doing here and it's kind of neat. They took three pages to do it, but I feel like there was maybe some, honestly, just take out all of those sound effects and just have the images. And I think we would have probably maybe understood what, what it was. Well, some of these panels with a deep, 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 the, the panel with the, poof, I can't, that's not, I don't know what's going on there. Deep, deep, deep. That's, that's the, the, his, button electronic yeah. remote for blowing up the bomb the but what is going on in the panel like what is that a picture of i can only imagine it's maybe the ignition of the bomb and then the shakaroom of course is the explosion yeah that that's where it all comes together for me i'm like oh they blew up the thing yeah yeah and then they cut to super far away and uh that's the the guy who has the button saying this is fireworks one fireworks one calling distant haven fireworks one calling distant haven come in over uh how are things progressing down there how's our tourist enjoying his rest cure stick to business my business progresses efficiently comrade quark there was an explosion last night at hotel marimba most spectacular leveled the fleabag hotel rubble burned all night so they basically explain just what happens a couple of things they use their code names like distant whatever and distant haven and fireworks one but then they start calling each other yuri and quark like part of the 
reason that you use code names is so that people have a much harder time connecting you to whoever you might really be. And They're never good at their jobs. And the second thing is they kind of glaze over. They're like, yeah, I watched that place burn all night. Nobody walked out, so he's totally dead. And then the other guy is like, uh, oh, man, I heard he's got a metal skeleton. And he's not. he doesn't say, go get it. I want proof that he's dead. He says, oh, that mortician's going to be surprised when he finds that. Ha, ha, ha. Oh, you know. So they're really kind of glossing over the, we don't need to see the body because you've got enough detail. Well, we already know that Wolverine is there at well, the scene because there's a tiny little snicked behind him. I know, but still. I, I, I feel like that you just don't even use any of that dialogue uh, or you do something different. But anyways. Wolverine is, in fact, in the trunk, and he comes out of the trunk with a rolch. I can't even see what that sound effect says. I think it says rolch. It's uh, it's good. I like it. And he, he, he's got his claws outstretched. He grabs Yuri by the face. And he says, distant havens closed, bub, trashed by the hurricane of 38. So I guess distant haven is the the ruin where they are. So they're using the actual name of the location. <laughs> Maybe, which which is even a bigger plot hole than the Russian coins. But Yeah. Okay. Anyway, so Wolverine uh, kills this man. Oh, yeah. He, he kills this man in a way that we've never really seen Wolverine kill a guy. He punches him in the gut. And then he extends his claws through the guy and lifts him up off of the ground. And then he retracts his claws and the guy slips off of his fists. It's pretty graphic. It's it it's graphic. It's violent for sure. It's very stylized. It's it's beautiful. I mean, it looks great. Uh, yeah, I think the style is the stylized artwork of it takes away from the brutality from the um uh what was the word you used? <laughs> the I don't remember. I don't remember the excessiveness. It's not the gruesomeness. Um I don't know. I've seen much more gruesome just uses of blood and 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 uh violence. And I think just the style and the way that these are painted take away from that. Even though the net effect is that Wolverine just totally killed the guy right in front of us, I prefer. I think I prefer it this way. Like I don't need to see the brutality. I, I like. I get that it's super brutal, and I prefer to see it. I don't know. I'm a I'm a style over substance guy all the way. You know, uh, it reminds me a little bit of those old Dark Horse, um, either Terminator or Predator comics, where the further and further you'd go into the issues, the more blood and body parts that they would try to throw in there. <laughs> uh, and I always found it like just unnecessary and I don't know, excessive. Um, this is not that for whatever that's worth. But anyways, he, uh, he asks the man a question or he says, uh, no, don't try and tell me. And that's when he kills him and says, I'll find out for myself. And he turns yeah. around. So what's going on there? No, don't try to tell me. I'll find out for myself that they're being distant Haven. Yep. So now Distant Haven knows that uh, Logan is coming, and so they're going to move their plan forward and get Alex the heck out of there. So they they introduce the spy character that they've been uh, trying to convince him is real, and he comes to confront Alex Summers and says, I'm looking for a man named Logan. What do you know about him? And he's like, the doctors told me Logan was dead. We checked his death was faked. Normally I'd enjoy dancing with you about this, but this is a na matter of national security. And he kind of gets aggressive with uh, uh, Alex. I almost said Scott. And then uh, 
Scarlet gets in the way, and eventually Alex cracks him in the jaw. Yeah, it looks like he loses some teeth from that punch. That is a that is a that is a heavy punch. Yeah. He's he's out cold. Um so now they embrace, like they're gonna go in for a kiss, uh, but they don't. Scarlet, your lips you're shaking, your lips bleeding. And so he decides he's gonna leave. He's gonna he's gonna take her with you or with him. Um this guy is CIA. If you're still here after I take off, they'll send more boys like handsome here. They'll take you apart, doll. It's like this is a very funny dialogue. I mean, it's great, but it's also like kind of hammy. But I like that it's hammy. Yep. Uh we'll we'll wait for, yeah, so they're gonna wait for the night and, and then they're going to leave. Um now can you get us some kind of transportation? And she does. Uh, several hours later, they bust out of the joint. Havoc uses his powers to blow open the door. We're going to leave them a little something to remember us by. That should keep them too busy to look for us until we're long gone. And that's where we see the transportation she got, which is a tiny little motor scooter. And they drive that over to a biplane. And uh, presumably they take off. But Wolverine, he's over, I guess, at Distant Haven now. And he's sniffing around, and he's able to... He basically is able to piece... This is what I was trying to say earlier. He he knows everything by smelling. He's like, he was drugged, there's a nurse, it's a woman, perfume. And he realizes that the woman was the woman that shot them in the last issue. Ah, there it is. And as he's sniffing around, we get a super bizarre explosion that took me a while to figure out what was happening. Yeah, I agree. Um, I didn't know what was happening until it was over, because uh, it's it's about it's about two pages of an explosion where it's very hard to tell what's going on. One page looks like a tiny little animal, like I don't know, a muskrat. <laughs> so the leftmost panel it looks like a wolf man is being exploded or or, or falling. Then I see the muskrat or. Uh, mole or whatever creature you want to say crawling out of a hole uh and then the the fourth or fifth panel here or fourth panel i see a tree stump <laughs> and then the last <laughs> panel I, I don't know what it is once i that's put a, toge- that's a that's a body I, I see like a body in water or something like that once i put together what was happening i was like the only panel i like on this whole page is that bottom left panel or bottom right panel rather the body yeah everything else i'm like i don't i mean i guess the place exploded. This is Wolverine's body flying straight up. I'm not sure what this third panel is. The fourth panel, I think, is him falling on his head, maybe? Based on the sound effects, I'm going to go with that because we get a whomp and a crunch and a splash. So he lands in a body of water. And then the the final panel is basically him naked laying face down in some water, um, which we see for a couple more panels. And then he gets up, hoists himself out of the... Um, uh, out of the water and i gotta like i i really want to love this drawing but he looks like a rabbit <laughs> he's got a rabbit mouth and then his hair is the rabbit ears and, and he's got like his big arms in front of him his body's behind him he says should have figured on a bomb which is hilarious because who figures on a bomb <laughs> well they blew up his hotel room so i mean it's par for the course i guess <laughs> Burned off my clothes and half my skin. Skin will heal, least of my problems. So he's... Where am I going to find a new set of clothes? Yeah, he's naked. 
Alex came here on a scooter of some kind. The woman was with him. Again, that scent, mass perfume, but the same. The lady's the same. He says, he says, bitch. He says, bitch and bastard. Yeah. This, this is, a, this is epic. This panel here looks like he's got a couple of big gaps between his teeth. I don't like it. It's probably because uh, he has, he just got hit by a bomb. Give him a break. Do, do Wolverine's teeth grow back because of his healing factor? I don't know. I guess so. <laughs> okay. Does he have adamantium teeth? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> uh, down the road, got to follow him. So he's able to, to smell all this stuff. And he gets to the end. He's like a biplane. <laughs> like, I, I don't know. Somehow he can smell a biplane. He's, he smells petrol. I think he sees the biplane in the be. distance. Damn, too late. She's gotten away and he's gone with her willingly, but in a biplane? What the heck? <laughs> what the hell does he think this is? World War One? And from the air, they're they're in the biplane with their little goggles, and they see the explosion. They're like, oh, that's weird. Huh. He does shout Alex, and Alex says, did you hear something? And she, of course, says, no, a while back, it sounded like an explosion. Yeah. And they see the explosion, or the fire from the explosion. Alex, what you said must have happened. Those spies must have found their friend. And they got mad and took the hotel, the hospital apart. Thank heaven you got away in time. And that's that's where it ends. Yeah, that is where the issue ends. So, uh, you know, I like the first issue better, but this is okay. Plus, moving along. Yeah, yeah, it's good stuff. Uh yeah. So that's it. Uh, but we do have some uh, a letter, uh, two letters actually. Joshua Dyson says. X-Men Annual number 11. This is the greatest single issue X-Men story ever written. Is that in regards to the Jubilee story? No, X-Men Annual 11 was the one where the X-Men uh go to that Yeah, it's the game master or the whatever. The game master. They the the guy gets them to go into the tower where they they confront their single greatest uh fears or whatever or or desires rather and then Wolverine touches some sort of crystal and becomes a god. I uh, I I agree. I really like that annual. So I'm with you, Joshua Dyson. X Men Annual Number Eleven is a really good single issue story. It might be the single greatest story in an annual ever. <laughs> I'm not going to go as far as saying it's the single greatest of all single stories, but single issue X Men story. It's definitely difference. a good one. It's not the best issue. Greatest single. Wait, do you think he means like? The greatest single issue out of all of the issues or greatest, like, here's a story and there's nothing that you need to know before it or after it. It's just a standalone story. I feel I like it's the latter. I thought I knew and now I don't. So. <laughs> I feel like he's saying the latter, like this is the greatest single issue story. You might be right. Interesting. Depends on how you say it. Changes the yeah. uh, the, the meaning altogether. But, uh, it totally does. Anyways, uh, it's a great annual. Uh, it's too bad that all of the annuals from here on out are garbage. I got, there's got to be one or two that are good. I mean, yeah, we have to slog through Atlantis Attacks and uh, the other one. I don't know, man. But I, I could swear, at some point they disappear and then they come back. There's got to be some good ones. I, I don't know. Like, I stopped collecting. Like, I had the Atlantis Attacks. Uh, I, I don't know that I had the next year. I probably bought some following years, but I think, did they stop doing those annual crossover stories? 
I think they made them smaller, so they became four-parters, so you'd have to buy four things. So with X-Men, it was probably four mutant titles. Sure. So I feel like there was like a phalanx something or other or something in there. Uh, Kyle says, regarding House of X and Powers of 10, you don't need to know anything other than the basics of who the characters are. If you have questions after reading it, you're supposed to have questions. It's all new stuff. Okay, I'm down with that. Yeah, and you can hear what we think about it over at Patreon for for a, a mere dollar. You can hear at least one issue, and uh, you know, one day we'll get around to recording another issue and yeah. uh, episode, and and they'll be there. And uh, maybe maybe we agree with Kyle, and maybe we don't agree with Kyle. Maybe we have like a huge reading order that we cover ahead of it, so that you know exactly what's happening, or not. Maybe we talk about Kyle the whole episode. <laughs> yeah, Kyle. So for a dollar, you can find out what things we said about you or didn't. <laughs> uh, all right. Yeah. So there you go. Uh, if you'd like to get a hold of us, uh, and we'd love it if you did, you can get a hold of us at www.xmenpodcast.com, facebook.com forward slash danger room podcast, Twitter us at danger room go, email us danger room at xmenpodcast.com or go out to iTunes and search up danger room. We're the first podcast that shows up. Uh, leave us a review, subscribe, some feedback, or call us at 501-GET-X-MEN. That's 501-438-9636. Or go out to the aforementioned patreon.com forward slash danger room to check out our hot takes on uh, House of X Powers of Ten. I have probably an obvious theory that I'm going to share in episode two of that Patreon special. So there you go. Little, little, uh, little enticement. I have a theory. I'll buy that for a dollar. And maybe I'm going to say my theory and you're going to be like, well, duh. (laughs) (laughs) Or you're going to be like, I never thought of that. Or you're going to be like, no, that's not it. I'm going to guess it's the latter. Or I could be like a combination of all three. Duh. I never thought of that. (laughs) Obviously it's not that. I, I hope that's your reaction to my theory. <laughs> so, all right, there it is. Um, our theme music is uh, also provided by Laszlo Hollyfeld. We have a couple more things to share. Wolverine number eight continues the Hulk storyline. Uh, it's kind of amusing in the beginning because Wolverine broke in while Hulk was sleeping as Bruce Banner, and when he wakes up, he got rid of all of his clothes and all he left in the house. His hotel room was purple pants. Uh-huh. And that's pretty funny. Uh, then we learn that Wolverine now owns a quarter stake of the Princess Bar, which I guess we found out in the in the episode with Punish War Journal where I was like, I didn't know that, but now it turns out. So this probably came first, I'm betting. Probably. Uh, he says, I bought half interest in the Princess Bar, so... Wolverine's got some cash floating around. It's all that. It's all that money that's over in Australia. Sure, sure. That, just... that that they supposedly gave back in that Christmas special. They didn't give any of that back. They kept it all. <laughs> oh, okay. And basically, this this issue is just the Wolverine leading the Hulk around Majapur, and zany things happen, such as uh, Wolverine uh, Hulk gets splashed by. Uh, oil truck and he goes to destroy the oil truck and he gets covered in oil and um, Wolverine takes him to different places that he wants Hulk to bust heads up so they break up a uh, lady slave trade 
Um, and then that's pretty much it. I mean, he just kind of leads Hulk around Madripoor and gets him up to, into shenanigans. Okay. Makes, makes him angry. Um, eventually he takes him where uh, Hulk wants to go, which is to confront, uh, I guess, Nagoyan, uh, Shan's uncle. Okay. I think. Honestly, this part of it sort of went went over pretty quickly. Okay. So he destroys the drug trade. Uh, the Hulk single-handedly destroys the drug trade in Madripoor, and uh, that's when General Nagoyan, I can't Koi, General Koi, says, "What have you done?" The Don sent you to help me not cripple my operation, and that's when Hulk says, "Yeah, well, I don't. I'm not a work for hire, so, so, so there. Makes me feel better about me destroying everything. I don't kill people. My boss Berengetti, he's a straight guy. So, so your Don lied to me, and I'm gonna go take care of him now. All right. And then he punches out uh, Wolverine for leading him around this whole time. He gives him a full Hulk punch." which Wolverine uh, leads Wolverine to believe that, oh, he must know that I'm not just this patch guy, that I'm also Wolverine. So I'm, I'm happy with that. Yeah, sure. And then very cleverly, Wolverine puts him on a plane that goes straight through into the sunset, so he'll be turning back into, ba- into Bruce Banner. Uh, <laughs> so that's still a thing? Yeah, he's, the, he's Bruce Banner in the day and Hulk at night. Oh, okay. That'll be a thing for a while. Because that's how it started off, the first Hulk comics. I think when the sun yeah. set, he became the Hulk. It's back when he was the Gray Hulk, and then he became the Green Hulk, and then he became the Gray Hulk, and then he became the Green Hulk, and then he became the Green Green Hulk, and then he became the Aquamarine Hulk. There's a Red Hulk. Yeah, but that's not Bruce Banner. Isn't that uh, the general guy? Yeah, it's General... Ross? Thunderbolt Ross. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's That's all so... the Hulk lore I got. Somehow his mustache disappears <laughs> when he turns into the Hulk. Uh, Excalibur number nine was a thing. Um, from the from the first page, uh, long uh, was it Lockheed gets killed. It's gut wrenching. Like here's cute little long or a Lockheed. You know the Excalibur went on a mission in Manhattan. They left Lockheed behind for some reason, which is weird because they all flew to Manhattan, and Lockheed could certainly make that flight. But they leave him behind, I guess, to guard the lighthouse. And uh, that's when altered Excalibur or alternative alternate Excalibur comes in. And, and it looks like they kill Lockheed. I wonder if yeah. they do. I wonder if they replace him with like an evil Lockheed. <laughs> I, ha- I have no idea. This is, again, Excalibur was one of those things that I bought when I saw and I didn't have a full run of it. So I had this issue, but I didn't have the preceding issue or the issue that comes after this. So I, I generally don't know how these stories wrap themselves up. Well, we do know there is a future Lockheed, but I don't know how there is a future Lockheed. So, yeah, that'd be interesting if it's evil Lockheed. Yeah, I don't know. It's sad. Like this poor little little dragon just laying on the ground, his tongue lolled out on the ground. It's, it's heart-wrenching. It's very sad because he thought it was Kitty Pride trying yeah. to surprise him, but it's, it turns out it's evil Kitty Pride. Yeah, they draw him like a little poppy, like, oh, my God, Kitty's here. And then all of a sudden she chokes him and kills him. Yeah, it's graphic. Ugh. Huh. I don't like that at all. So, yeah, there's a uh, Nazi version of Excalibur. Uh, 
and they're here for some reason. But I think the most important thing of this issue is that uh, while the X-Mansion has been destroyed, the Danger Room is fine, which means that the underground quarters are fine, which begs the question, why didn't the New Mutants stay? That's a good question. There's probably food down there. We know that there's an underground path to the uh, to the to the hangar, uh, to the Morlock tunnels. I mean, everything that they need should be like right here in a working danger room. But uh, anyways, yeah, they're down there in the danger room. Kitty is testing out um, Brian's powers. Uh, as we learned from the last issue, they weren't working so well. Uh, also, Megan has been um, she's been chameleoning anybody who walks near her. Um, so yeah, they're just trying to get an assessment of what's happening. And uh, there's a panel where Phoenix walks by and Megan takes on that chameleon. They kind of merge into like a, a single Phoenix, which looks super painful. No, they shout. Uh, they have the Blackbird, as we established last issue, and uh, they take off. They're going to they're gonna go check out. Uh, Kurt gets a call, um, and they're going to go uh, find out what's happening with Moira McTaggart. Um, I had a note. Mm-hmm. Uh, about the about the Lockheed. Remember last issue, there was something about this guy who we didn't know who he was. We thought he was a comic book character. Yeah. It turns out that he is a real life, uh, the Kelly Johnson. We were like, who's Kelly Johnson? Why isn't he, who is he a guy? Well, he's actually an, a real life engineer who worked on the SR-71 Blackbird. Yeah, well, there you go. So that so was a real life reference. Neat. Silly us. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I don't know much about planes, so I don't feel too bad about missing that one. There's a subplot here with Courtney Ross upping the stakes with some dude named Nigel, uh, kind of running up a table to a million pounds, and uh, he owes it to her, and he doesn't have it, and she she's like, you'll get it, and she walks out, so there's some subplot going on there. They're at the Hellfire Club. Ah, there's a tourist group in the Tower of London looking at old superhero costumes. One of them happens to be Captain Britain's original costume. And uh, they accidentally walk through that egg dude's portal, the little frog robot thing. Uh, and they get transported into... Oh, they exchange. I think what's happening is when they go through these portals, they're exchanging with somebody else. Because... right. Uh, and I think I just connected those dots right now, which means that the <laughs> real Callisto potentially and the real Moira McTaggart are probably in a reality where the Nazis are the dominating power. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's why we have Nazi Moira and Callisto. And here we have lizard tourists where the human tourists should be. And uh, they're like, what are you doing here? And um, yeah, lizard. So, so, so there you go. Weird things are happening. Um, the Nazi Excalibur shows up because they are here to recollect Nazi Moira. I don't think Moira's a Nazi, though. Is she? You don't. You think the other the Moira isn't really a Nazi? Well, this Moira and Callisto are they? I think they are. Okay. Well, Excalibur is definitely Nazis, um, and they're under like a house arrest here. Um. And, uh, yeah, so the Nazi Excalibur shows up kind of in the guise of the, like, Captain Britain shows up. He's got, like, a buzz cut. And they're like, oh, Captain Britain's here. And uh, he uses that, surprises the advantage, and knocks everybody out. And this is, I was a little confused. Somehow the real Excalibur shows up. Oh, it must have been the phone call about Moira. That makes sense. Yes. Yeah. So Moira describes herself as the Reich Minister of Genetics. So, yeah, she's a Nazi. Okay. 
So Excalibur's here to collect them, um, and I guess they were under house arrest, so this is a rescue op from the Nazi Excalibur. Uh, so there's a little bit of a tussle there. Um, you got Phoenix fighting um, Captain Britain. She's a little confused. She's like, well, this is Captain Britain, but not, so let me use my telep- uh, telepathy. But that's when Kitty encounters her alternate persona, and she's like, oh, I hate being a living ghost. And the woman who killed Lockheed is like, better by far than being a dead one. And she doesn't even touch. Well, maybe she does touch Kitty, but Kitty falls to the ground. And uh, that's when Rachel loses control of her power. And she's like, Kitty. And uh, Captain Britain punches her. uh, And that's when he pulls off his Nazi Captain Britain. He's got a a name. It's Hauptmann. Which is like German for captain, I'm assuming. Yeah. So he's he's Captain England instead of Captain Britain. Something like that. Um, well, our Nightcrawler meets his uh, his counterpart, who has much more fine control of his powers and is able to, is able to do that multiple teleporting thing, uh, and knocks uh, Nightcrawler out. Uh, meanwhile, uh, Megan and Captain Britain, the real Megan and Captain Britain, were told to like hang back because their powers are so screwy that these three would just take care of it. Um, but apparently Brian didn't listen and he doesn't have a costume. So he was able to get his old costume off of a mannequin and put it on, but it doesn't quite fit because he's grown. They, they see Rachel get knocked out of the building and then they're like, Oh, if Rachel got knocked out, maybe we better go help. Even though they told us to lay back. Yep. So yeah, he, he, he's got his, he's got his midriff showing in his captain Britain outfit and he thinks to himself, I've grown some since last I wore this. Uh, and then the other thing that I guess we should mention is that he was, uh, as soon as they came back to Britain, he, he started feeling a lot better and his powers seemed to be returning. So, Oh, so his tie, his powers are tied to Britain is a connection that I'm just making now. I just made that connection as well. And I, I think that is, must be the case. Is there that like makes a, sense. is there like an Excalibur sword that they need to be close to? Maybe. Yeah. Um, X, uh, what X-Men Marvel comics presents the X-Men's havoc number 26. Oh, wait, I have bad news. Oh, the next issue of Excalibur is not drawn by Alan Davis. Oh no. <laughs> is it, is it drawn by Ron Lim? Cause no. I could, I could handle that. Marshall Rogers. Is he any good? No. <laughs> <laughs> well, that'll have to be a brief cover then. <laughs> Terry Austin's inking. So you think there'd be something redeemable about it, but it's. Anyways, what about Havoc? Is the living pharaoh in this issue? No, this is uh this is basically Havoc going to get information to try to find Leela O'Toole and he spends 8 pages going to a bar and messing the place up and eventually he gets the information that she's in Egypt. So he says, "Well, I guess I got an appointment in Egypt." Egypt's pretty big, but you know, whatever. <laughs> All right. That's that's it. I mean, really, literally nothing happens other than what I just described. Wow. I'm not really digging the Marvel Comics Presents. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I mean, I dig some of them. Um, And this Havoc story has been okay in the first two parts. This one was just kind of, it was clearly a get from point A to point B story that did not need to be here. Sure. Sure. All right. Well, that's, that's all I've got. You got anything else, Adam? I do not. I am good to go. All right, then. Until next time, my name's Jeremy. 
My name's Adam. And the danger room is closed. 